Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. This meeting of the Movie Council is now in session. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Movie Council podcast, the number one ranked movie podcast on the internet. My is name right? is Dan Sherry. <laughs> I am your host, and I am joined again by my co-hosts, the, uh, the smooth-talking Southern gentleman, Marky Bondurant. Hello. And the hotshot banker, Andrew Sherry. Hello. I also want to be called the incomparable Andrew Sherry. The incom- uh, I, you know what? We will work that in. Let me let's right. write that down. Good word. Cool. Incomparable. Oh. Yeah. Is that in your word of the day calendar? It is. I like it. I like and it. I, and I would appreciate it if you would back up off me, Marky. <laughs> so we are back. This is episode 55. And this week we're going to war. Yeah. I know it's not as bad as it sounds. We're just gonna be talking about some war movies this week. Should be a good time. Yeah. But uh, before oh. we get into that, how's it going, gentlemen? How how has your week been? Uh, what's going on? How how is everything? It's good, good. You know, staying busy as always. Working too much, not enough play, but as always, looking forward to talking about some movies. And I think we got a good show for everyone tonight. Yeah, very nice, AJ yourself. I'm doing good, but I got to tell you, prepping for this week, watching war movies takes a long time. I'll tell you, they're all really long. Yeah, they were. Yeah, there's no quickies. (laughs) Yeah, they're all, they take a long time to tell you. That's actually, that's an interesting, uh, like what, what, I wonder what's like the shortest war movie, decent war movie, because you're looking at like at least two hours for these things. Yeah. Usually two and a half plus. Right. Wow. Um, and, and also just to let you guys know, uh, the number one ranked, I'm, I'm going by my personal rankings, gotcha, gotcha. which I mean, right. There's no saying you can't go by your own personal rankings. So my rankings, movie council podcast, number one movie count movie podcast on the internet. Well, I don't so, disagree with that then. Right. Yeah. So we got multiple votes. There we go. It, it is now a fact. We are the number one on the internet. I love Ooh, it. Special. So, uh, that's, a, that's a spicy take. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, boy, so I, I got to tell you, I, I have a whole new, uh, I guess, empathy uh, for, for Tim. Uh-huh. You guys remember like a year ago when he told us about uh, the deer he hit in his car? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, I did not hit the deer this week, but just uh, the other night, I had one run, like I mean, inches in front of my car, but it got hit by the car coming in the other direction. Oh shit! And it, yeah, it it kind of bounced off the side of my car, and like seeing this thing, like die in front of you, is fucking horrifying. Huh. It, it was. 
Jesus Christ, so brutal. I was like shaking afterwards. So, yeah, like I totally get where Tim was coming from. Like that is, that's fucking rough to see, man. Like that, that is tough. Like those things are like these big, beautiful animals, but clearly they're fucking idiots. Like, I mean, this fucker, like there was a lot of traffic going down the road. This son of a bitch just ran right in the middle. Damn. But yeah, yeah it, that's it, why it that's why rough. they call it a, a deer in the headlights. Yeah. 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 You know, you would think by you would think that that would kind of be run out of the gene pool, right? With all the idiot deer that get hit by cars, the ones that right? don't get hit by cars. It, eventually, I, I feel like we would get away from that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like at least from when I first started driving, squirrels have gotten smarter. <laughs> right yeah. you across. see a lot less yeah. dead squirrels don't shake your head at me yeah. AJ. <laughs> i feel like they've gotten dumber no i see squirrels like stop look both ways wait for traffic <laughs> to stop and then go across i feel like call they out their phones the, start texting their friends right. i feel like they, they, i feel like i see the same thing with them as the deer they just freeze they don't know what to do yeah. and they're like caught in the middle yeah they don't know which direction to go except under my tire Right, just a suicidal seems to be. Yeah, it seems like a popular place for them to end up is under my tire. (laughs) Wow, AJ is apparently a squirrel mass murderer. I just keep driving. I keep driving. I'm not going to endanger my own life or other drivers around me. AJ keeps stickers on the side of his car, like a old World War II plane for how many (laughs) bogeys he shot down. As much as squirrel stickers on the side of his car, like another notch in the fucking. I'm not gonna swerve unnecessarily. I'm not gonna swerve unnecessarily or slam on the brakes or I'm driving and it's up to the animal to get out of the way. (laughs) Sorry, it's a a food chain thing. Well, no, I I don't disagree (laughs) with you. I mean, it is incredibly dangerous to swerve your car and potentially lose control and hit someone else or crash your own car. uh, And the times of the day that I'm driving, I work bankers hours, guys. I'm driving when everyone else is commuting. You know what I mean? So there's all kinds of other traffic out there when I'm driving. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're a good driver, you can still avoid the animal and not. Okay. Okay. I'm a good driver. Hey, I didn't hit that fucking deer. It's that was a deer. Or you didn't want to yeah. hurt your car either. You know, <laughs> like deer's big, heavy animal. It's going to put a dent in the car. Yeah. You know? Which, by the way, even though the thing like bounced off the side of my car, like it, the car coming the other way hit it and it kind of bounced off my car. Right. Not a fucking ding, not a scratch, awesome. nothing. Like I, I was shocked. I got out of the car expecting to see it all crumpled in. Right. Nothing. I, I was, yeah, amazed by that. Well, that's so. lucky. Many, many years ago, and I'm talking over 20, I had this had, had an incident with a deer crossing Route 30 somewhere in Weston or something. I don't know. But it had it, I I stopped just short of hitting the thing and it stood there staring at me for right. what felt like 25, 30 seconds. It couldn't have been more than like three seconds, but it felt like time was like slowing down. The thing was just staring at me. And in the headlights was shining right in its face. Like, I'm like, this mm-hmm. is, you know, and then it just jumped across like nothing happened, jumped the guardrail on the other side of the road and went on its merry way. 
Well, yeah. and you know, uh, or maybe you don't, but um, it's a there's dark such part a, of the road too. You know, there's he's such probably, a thing as he's uh, probably staring at you, saying, "Hey, this is for all those squirrels, motherfucker." <laughs> well, talking, there's such you, this a thing was like 20 as, years ago, so I didn't have my kill count wasn't that high at that point. You're you're still green and didn't have the stomach for it yet. <laughs> I didn't have a taste for it, Marky. Mm. That's the, the right first word. one's always the hardest. Yeah, he he wasn't there's, animal mother yet. <laughs> there's a, a term I think it's called uh, spotlighting when referring to using a spotlight to hunt deer and it's uh, as far as I know it's illegal nationwide but because mm-hmm. they, they react the same way so uh, assholes that do it will take a spotlight in their pickup truck or out in the woods and they'll just spotlight a deer at night and the thing just freezes and then you can shoot it however you want because it's just it's stone still <laughs> so yeah it's illegal <laughs> A lazy too. Come on, if you're gonna hunt, yeah. at least fucking put some effort in. Right. Yeah. And do it during the day <laughs> when most people hunt. Yeah. Uh very good. So, anyways, uh, any a- anything you guys got? Anything? AJ, do you have a? Uh... That was my yeah. underrated pick of the week. <laughs> anything like that? No, but you know what? I've been bandying some ideas around. Um, for you know things we could do on a regular basis, so mm-hmm. I don't think I have anything this week. But you know, I'm working on something. Well, have you guys seen that movie Pig yet with Nicolas Cage? I think I told no, you to watch I, it. I've heard great things about it, but I've it yeah, was I really good it yet. So, it was really good. I, I that was that one out. That was the best I've seen Nick Cage since like Raising Arizona. Maybe mm-hmm. um, it just he he wasn't silly stupid nick cage it was just it was a solid weird movie and he did a really good job he wasn't like eight millimeter nick cage or no or face off nick cage or airplane nick cage or i could eat a peach for hours you mean you mean con air con air sorry not airplane (laughs) oh Um, god face off so uh, my obvious like runaway smash it segment. Oh my god, he was in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, I, I had a oh my god, he was in that moment. Watching one of the movies we'll be talking about tonight, I was like, oh okay. my god, I totally forgot about that. But I've also I've been watching uh, Doctor Who. Uh huh. And holy shit, that show is chock full of oh my god, he was in that moments. Well, and I'm Doctor talking like. Who award winners like uh academy award winners academy award nominees like you know andrew garfield was fucking in a carrie mulligan uh and doctor the, who yeah, yeah. like huh. all these random fucking well, they're, Br- they're british actor, they're british actors too so yeah. they're, andrew know. garfield is i thought he was american no yeah he's a british. no he's british well, that makes sense i was gonna say because doctor who is a british show right Yes, and yes. there's there's like 20 British actors, so of course they're going to be in that the most popular. Trying to remember, <laughs> trying to remember which uh, what Garfield was in. It, he was I in remember. the the Daleks in Manhattan episode. Oh, right. okay, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, and, uh, what's that? Carrie Mulligan was in an episode. I like they. That's a really fucking either. good actors showed up in Doctor Who in those early seasons. But, and what's the what's the name of that uh, movie that came out recently with Carrie Mulligan that you guys liked? Oh, Promising Young Woman. Yeah, oh, is that's fantastic. like on HBO or something right now? Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. It, I yeah, still haven't for seen the it listeners, yet. if you have HBO Max, check out Promising Young Woman. It is 
fantastic. It's yeah, one of my need to watch it. favorites I've seen in a while. So, but uh, so yeah, no, uh, no more uh, underrated pick of the week or uh, under the radar pick of. <laughs> or, or maybe Marky's favorite under the weather pick of the week. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working on something. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see it come to fruition at some. Point. All right. All right. All right. So uh, then let's let's get into the movies we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, this was like a, a sort of pick a movie week. You know, we each selected a different war movie, but uh, we kind of picked it for the group as opposed to individuals. So. Uh, why don't you guys want to go like chronologically? AJ, you want to you want to kick this off with your movie because we all we all picked like a movie chronologically a by when the war, war took place. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So yeah, because we didn't want to do like three movies about Vietnam or three movies right. about World War Two. So we decided to pick one. We each picked one from a from a different war. Which I know technically don't fucking at me. I get it. the The movie I picked, which it isn't technically a war, but yeah, you know, go go fuck yourself. So yeah, it's a war movie. <laughs> yeah. So AJ, why don't why don't you kick it off uh, and tell us the movie you picked? Uh, give us a little background about it and uh, tell us what you liked about it, and uh, we'll we'll get into our discussion. Okay, so the the film I picked is a World War II film um, directed by Clint Eastwood called Letters from Iwo Jima. It was nominated for a few Oscars. I think it was including Best Picture. It is a companion piece, sort sort of, uh, to another film he directed that year called Flags of Our Fathers. And um, Flags of Our Fathers is a film told from American perspective. Um, at the Battle of, I think it has to do with the same battle, right? Uh, story, Battle of Iwo Jima. But the one that I'm talking about takes place from the side of the Japanese during World War II. It's mostly, almost entirely spoken in Japanese. Um, black and white film. Um, and I've seen both films, Flags of Our Fathers, and Letters from Iwo Jima. And to me, Letters from Iwo Jima was the superior film. And it's not even close. And for me, and I just, um, I found the performances by some of the Japanese stars like Ken, Ken Watanabe and uh, a few of the others to be just dynamite. And, I, you know, you learn a lot about like Japanese honor and the things <laughs> that play out from their perspective. Um it's a sad film, but you also it's it's also, and we're gonna learn this like when we talk about some of these other films. It shows like just the human side, you know, the, the both both sides of the the war. You know, we're Americans, so World War Two. We're like, yeah, we won, but you know, the Japanese were defending their land, and um, it was just a horrific. You know, you get to see like the strategy also of the Japanese during this film and um, what the general that they bring in who has some ties to America, as you see from his background. But it's, they also frame the film in such a way where you, you hear like letters that some of the 
uh, Japanese soldiers were writing to their um, their loved ones at home, and uh, it's just a lot of sad, you know, moments in the film. And it's also played very dramatically from the Japanese side, like because of the whole honor thing, like the fall on your sword sort of thing. And there's a lot of very like dramatic moments in the film. You know where the where the um, the soldiers are. You know they're they're like blowing themselves up with grenades because they're like, you know, if we're gonna die in this place. You know, sort of thing. They're not, you know, just so they don't, you know, so that they can, you know, not go home without honor. You know what I mean? They, it's all about about that for them, and I think that's you know obviously a cultural thing, um, but there's one soldier in particular that doesn't want to do any of that he wants to get home to his his wife who when he left was pregnant and he wants to get back to her and he you find him and it sort of follows him around to different places as like some of his you know uh cohorts are like blowing themselves up with grenades he's like see ya and he runs yeah, away from that, that. yeah he runs away from that and then he ends up like latching on with other groups and then he you know he pairs up with some other people and you know i don't know i watched it again this week i'd only seen it way back you know in the mid 2000s when it came you know the right around the year it came out i saw it i'm not in the theater unfortunately because it's beautifully shot beautifully filmed um, I saw it on just at home um, on DVD or whatever, but um, I watched it again this week and and I I still loved it. I still thought I, I felt a little bit different about it. I, I noticed a lot more of the the dramatic stuff being played up um, in some of these scenes, but I I did really still enjoy it. And I think it's you know Clint Eastwood's pretty hit or miss for me. As you all know, as any fan of the podcast knows, um, I hate a couple of his films vehemently. <laughs> but this one, I think it, it's like is the filmmaking is very like thoughtful, you know, and just everything is well considered. And he gets really a lot out of the performances out of these actors. And I really loved it. I still love it. I think it's a terrific film. Um, I'm not, by the way, I should have got, I should have buried in the lead. I'm not a huge war film fan. I like some of them, but I don't know. Um, that genre doesn't really resonate with me as much as it may with, with you guys. I'm not sure. We'll get to that, I'm sure. But, um, but I just love this one this particular war film i just it doesn't play the same as some it, it's i don't know you get to see just that the opposing side and you get to see like the human side of things and i just really i love i love letters from iwo jima flags of our fathers is not a bad film i just when i see letters from iwo jima it just flags of our fathers just pales to it you know it just Letters from Iwo Jima just casts a bigger shadow over. I hardly remember Flags of Fathers just because Letters is so good, you know. That's where my thought ends on this. <laughs> okay, Mar- Marky, um, did you 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 watch this movie this week? I uh, did. What yeah, were I watched your thoughts. 
I watched it this week. Um, I uh, respectfully disagree with AJ on just about all counts. <laughs> this is the first time I'd actually seen this movie. Um, and uh, I don't, I'm wondering now, even if I watched like a different version, like a director's cut or something, um, just because, <clears throat> well, in, in part, and maybe AJ, you can tell me this, what I saw wasn't a true black and white film. It was just like a, a heavily filtered film. Like there was this blue gray filter. Yeah, over... I guess that's right. I guess that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that, that honestly annoyed me right out the gate. Um, uh, Clint Eastwood also did this annoying filter, something similar. I think it was an American sniper and it just looks cheap because what he does in a lot of it, what it looks like to me is that it gives this, it gives the movie the feeling of like overcast uh, dusk time, but you can see by the shadows that the actors are casting. It's a bright sunny day and it's like, you know, early afternoon, but with that filter, it gives it the feeling like it's like twilight hours or something. It never, it, it, so like a, I couldn't the, with the shadows and the, the setting, the filter, like it never really matched up in my brain. Like it, it didn't make sense. Um, this movie was <clears throat> almost two and a half hours and it felt like it was too long. I felt like it dragged on. Dude, it felt like it lasted a fucking week. Yeah. That Jesus movie... Christ, you know what? If I wanted to read a fucking book, I would have read a book. I, I don't need the <laughs> fucking subtitles. Jesus I don't, Christ. I don't mind. I don't mind a movie with subtitles, but just like it, I, I felt like the pacing was off. It never really got its feet under itself. It jumped around between these different <clears throat> characters. That right? There, there's besides... these weird flashbacks that didn't make sense, too. Like, no, it didn't. At, it's at just points, like, oh, you couldn't tell if it's bit. a flashback or not. And yeah. It was, yeah. Ugh. It's like, here's a little bit of backstory for this character while we see him doing this. And then here's a little bit. But it wasn't, like, placed very well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and honestly, the movie itself, it didn't really feel like a war movie to me. And it took me a while, like a couple of days thinking about it. Like, why was that? Like, why did it not feel like a war movie? And it wasn't until I watched some of our, some scenes from our other movies that we're going to talk about tonight that I think what it was, was that there was never, there was only, okay, let me put it this way. Most times, whenever there's actors on screen, there was like no more than 10 guys. There was only a couple scenes where it, it showed, you know, I don't know, 20 guys. Like in a war movie, you see platoons of people at once. It gives the feeling of just, you know, these, this vast amount of people going to battle. And this one just felt like weird little groups. And one of the taglines for the movie I saw before I watched it said something like, uh, over the course of 36 days, uh, 20,000 Japanese soldiers died and 12,000 Americans died. Well, you never see any kind of numbers like that in the movie to, to give you the feeling of it actually being a, a full-on battle or war. Um, the, you know, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, a gun snob, I guess you'd say, and the firefights in there were incredibly cheesy. And this movie came out in 2006 and the special effects, the CGI for those guns was awful. It was very cheap. 
the movie had about a 19 million dollar budget which is the lowest out of the movies we're talking about tonight by quite a bit uh but still they could have done a little bit better than that you know the the m1 grand the u.s service rifle at that time has the iconic ping of the clip when you empty the clip it goes ping and it it ejects that clip uh, after the last round there's a couple scenes in this movie where these u.s soldiers are shooting their grand and that it goes ping and the clip pops out but they keep shooting so there's just like this huge oversight you would think that clint eastwood would know better than to try and throw shit like that in um there were a couple cool scenes that i liked like i I, I liked the scene that it showed uh, the beach landing of the Americans. And it was just like, a, that was a vast amount of people and ships and stuff, but it was just a brief scene, but it, that was neat. And then seeing like the, uh, the Naval Armada that was coming in. Um, mm. One thing that kind of, I was excited for in the beginning of the movie and then was let down was the location. It was filmed in Iwo Jima and the location was beautiful. Like when, it, uh, when Ken Watanabe first gets onto the island and he's walking around, it was that was great, but that was it. You don't see any more of that. It was it never used that as like a backdrop for any of the battles. It was this uh, the caves that they were always in, and the cave scenes were okay until I started to notice a lot of the cave scenes were shot on a set. And the, the cave was created and it looked cheap as fuck. So it wasn't just, a lot of the sets looked cheap. It just looked like he skimped on everything. Um, the I, I never really uh, cared for the characters like that. I felt like they didn't really flesh out well. You know, Ken Watanabe did a great job. The other, everyone else wasn't that good. Um, I felt like there was zero artistic expression from a director or cinematography and the movie, the only scene that had a little bit of creativity and like originality to it that I felt was when the U.S. soldier executes the two Japanese soldiers after the the two guys desert, or one of them's been wounded, one of them deserts, and the U.S. soldier executes them. And that that scene, they do they, it was more black and white, and it was very quiet, almost silent. And the lighting on that, you know, that that worked great. It did well. But other than that, I just felt like it was bland as far as the cinematography, the directing. Like it it wasn't anything special. Um, I, I wrote down a, quite a few things here. <laughs> um, the, the guys blowing themselves up with a the grenade. I understand like the honor thing. Um, and maybe I, I don't know enough about history. I, I have heard some stories about, you know, mass suicides like that. But that part just seemed almost silly. Like, I don't know why they didn't try to take out soldiers, U.S. soldiers with them. And the guys were blowing themselves up next to each other with grenades. And those grenades seemed to only in- impact. That's pretty weak-ass grenades. Like a one-foot <laughs> radius, right? Right. Um, and then the movie just kind of ended. I mean, it just, it just you know. It was, was a, a weird, abrupt end, yeah. Yeah, at the very beginning of the movie, it shows like these almost like these archaeologists digging around in this cave and they, they're, they're digging something up. And then at the very end of the movie, you find out it's the letters that like I guess the main character had buried. And that's it. I mean, it's but it's, I don't, you know, it never. It, I, it just felt like it didn't have any. Life, you know, I, I appreciate this, this uh, 
the story. I just felt like he didn't do a good job of telling it. Um, and it just, yeah, as, as far as a war movie, it just didn't feel like at, at any time were these people actually at war. Like it was just this weird kind of popping up in different parts of the cave. This, they're supposed to be going back and forth through the island and this mass like network of caves, but they just said that they were like, they just kind of were in slightly different locations. I don't know. I, I didn't care for it. Um, yeah. I, I, I won't I, be watching it again. I, I am with you, Marky. I did not care for this movie at all. Uh, like I said, I, I, I had no idea what I was like going into. I, I knew nothing about yeah, the movie. I, wouldn't, I, I went just, into, it, into a blind. I didn't know it was in yeah. Japanese. I didn't know it was dubbed. Or yeah, not dubbed. Me, I didn't know it was in subtitles. Yeah, neither did I. So like it was like maybe like 10, 15 minutes in, I'm sit, like still waiting for them to like cut to the American soldiers they're going to be covering. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that wasn't happening and it's just going to be all the Japanese soldiers. And, and like you said, I didn't care about any of them. Like mm-hmm. none of them were interesting. They were like really kind of boring shit characters. And, right. you know, like, and I get where, what, what he was going for in the whole, like, you know, Yes, they were the the enemy in the war, but These they were just regular people right, that right. blah blah blah. But like, if you wanted us to care about them, it, here's an idea: don't side with the fucking Nazis, Japan. They were siding with the fucking Nazis, yeah. and now we're supposed to care about them. Fuck them. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It and again, I. And it's hard to care about them, too, when the whole thing is, you know, in Japanese. So you you can't really watch the the actor and see his facial expressions when you're reading the subtitles the whole time. So you don't get a full effect of their acting. You don't get to appreciate them at all. And they, they sucked. And again, don't side with the fucking Nazis. There you go. Then maybe we'll give a shit. But it, I did not give a shit. And it, yeah, the, the, this movie, and it was long and dragged out. And I, yeah, like I said, there's a couple interesting scenes and a couple good, good moments. But on the whole, I, it, yeah, it was not good. I did not like this at all. But honestly, forget war movies. By our, your argument, you can't enjoy a foreign film because you have to read the subtitles. Because you can't uh, see the expression on your faces because you're busy reading the subtitles. He's, he's a slow reader, okay? Yeah, it, just, it depends got, on just, the movie. I'm just, I'm just saying. Because this was a very dialogue-driven movie. There was nothing else going on but what they were That's saying. Tr- to that each is other. true. You yeah, know, there are other movies really... that aren't so dialogue-driven that can be in another, like Parasite, you can follow even though you, you know, have to read subtitles. It depends on the movie. And this was a dialogue driven movie in another language with a bunch of people I fucking hated. Like they were all boring, like stupid characters. Some of those characters did actually run together for to me. Like I, I had a, a couple of times I had a hard time uh, differentiating which yeah. one was which um, just because like their stories were similar and like the way they acted was similar. So um, hold on, hold on back up. So you're saying all Japanese people look alike. Yes. You said that. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and um, I will edit that 
all ja- Andy saying all Japanese people look alike. <laughs> Is that the um one thing I also wanted to add was that this movie, so this this was the first time I watched this movie, like I said, uh didn't know much about it. I think I did know that it was told from the Japanese perspective, and I was actually kind of looking forward to that. Um, you know, that wasn't a hang up in um I thought it was going to be a fresh take on it, but it, ugh, powerfully boring. But I feel like this one and American Sniper, I think those are like some of the only more modern Clint Eastwood movies I've watched. I just get the feeling that he's not, he's either 100% phoning it in or he's not actually directing or he's just not name good is just on it. He's just not good at I, I suppose, but it just seems like so generic and bland like i don't he's done well in the past maybe there's just certain genres he's good at or certain scripts that he's good with um you know he's not a maybe all not 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 like a well-rounded all-encompassing kind of director that can hit different genres because yeah even you know american sniper i felt the same way i felt like there was never there was hardly any scenes that showed enough personnel within a scene to give the feeling of the scope of like a real battle is always just like 10 to 15 guys and oh the uh, uh another really cheap thing about the the action scenes besides the shitty cgi is that the action scenes are almost just like a montage like there's no direct it'll show a guy shooting it'll show another guy shooting it'll sh- it'll show like a, a a tree blowing up it'll show you know, a grenade going off, but it's just like pockets of like, like a montage of things happening. There's no uh, continuity or uh, direction to where, you know, this guy's looking at this guy, shoots him. This guy fires a rocket at this tank or that kind of thing. It's just pockets of chaos going off, which I guess could seem like what war is, but when he does it throughout the movie, it, it's just, it seems cheap. Like it, it, mm-hmm. there's no, there's, there's no uh, real thought into it. And with these other movies that we're going to talk about tonight, I can talk about the opposite and how good of a job they do about uh, the, the battles that go on through the movie and they string together. Like you remember even small bad guys that you only see for 15 seconds, but they'll have like an article of clothing or something that, you know, he pops back up again in any case, we'll get to those later, but yeah. Um, sorry for shitting on this movie, AJ. Um, I just, it wasn't for me. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as it, Georgia war movies, I could take a pass on them for the rest of my life. As soon care. as I realized the whole movie was going to be subtitled, I was like, Oh, of course this is the movie AJ picked. <laughs> of course he went with the subtitled movie yeah now <laughs> what i do shock. love me i do love me some ken watanabe man that guy is the shit talk about a a, a good mm. movie depicting japanese honor the last samurai with ken watanabe was bad ass love that movie um <laughs> what do i know ken watanabe from what else has he been in Oh, he's been in loads of shit. That guy's your go-to Japanese. He's the best Japanese actor on the market. Oh, that's, oh, okay. I just looked at it. He was in those Godzilla, like Godzilla 
versus the Kong and those oh, movies. Okay. That's right. Yeah, so. you would watch those. Dude, I, I, I watched all of them. Uh, I mean, like within the past year, like I, I, I did the whole binge of like the Godzilla and yeah, the MonsterVerse. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. I watched all the time. It's not bad, actually. Yeah, they're not good movies, but it, you know, it, they're, it's, fun. they're they're fun. Yeah, watching Skull King Island Kong and Godzilla fight. Yeah, oh, by far, Skull yeah. Skull Island was the best. So, but anyways, uh, you, you guys want to move on to uh, chronologically the next uh, war, which would be yeah, Vietnam. All right, let's do it. Uh, yeah, Mark, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce this movie? Let, All let right. everyone know what it is. Yeah, um, without beating around the bush, uh, I chose, with the help of my colleagues, Full Metal Jacket, which takes place during the Vietnam War. That's a Stanley Kubrick film, came out in 1987. Um, this movie was about, uh, it was just under two hours long. Um, it does feel a little bit long at points because it jumps around quite a bit, um, but a very iconic movie with so many iconic lines this is where the world was introduced to Arlie Ermey, who plays mm-hmm. the drill sergeant in the first, uh, what, first half of the movie, first third of yeah. the movie. Um, and for people who don't know, I think it's a well-known fact at this point, but Arlie Ermey was hired as a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like he, uh, he he's consultant. Consultant. He is from yeah. the military. Um he has a military background. So he was hired as a, a consultant for like a military job. And there was another guy playing the drill sergeant and Arlie Ermey was telling him what to say, but it was screaming it. And then everyone was like, well, what the fuck? Why don't we just have this guy scream it? He's so good at it. And mm-hmm. ever since, I mean, Arlie Ermey has been in our life. Fantastic. Awesome, dude. Huge. Well, I don't know if he's career. awesome, dude. He's just an awesome, plays an awesome character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this movie, I don't know if it, uh, is adjusted for inflation, but I saw on IMDb that the uh, estimated budget for this movie was $30 million. Um, mm-hmm. we, I just said that it, uh, for uh, Letters of Iwo Jima that had an estimated $19 million budget. Um, but Full Metal Jacket, uh, Stanley Kubrick, you know, he's, he takes, he is a, all directors are artistic, obviously, but Stanley Kubrick is one of those that's just takes it to the max, you know, just, really hammers home this artistic expression when it comes to filmmaking and for him to make a, a war movie in, in the Vietnam era, it's something unique. It's special. Uh, there's times where it's very bizarre and very obviously gritty with it being in the war, but awesome characters throughout uh, Joker is the, the main character that it kind of follows and it starts with him going through uh, basic training. And then he wants to be a, like a war correspondent, a journalist. Is that right? Yes. Um, and so that's what he ends up doing when he gets to Vietnam. And then when he's there, he ends up linking back up some of the guys that he went to basic training with um, and just brutal, brutal scenes when they're in Vietnam, it's more of a, uh, an urban fighting in this uh, depiction of, the Vietnam war where they're like in a small uh, city or town fighting from building to building, as opposed mm-hmm. to a lot of other Vietnam movies that uh, yeah, happen in the, the jungle, like platoon right. or apocalypse right, right. now. Yeah. So um, I did not actually watch this movie this week. 
Um, I'd seen it several times in the past. So if you guys uh, got a chance to watch it, I'll just pass it off onto you because it's more fresh in your mind. So uh, I did. I, I actually watched it uh, today while I was mm-hmm. at work. And I gotta say that yeah, this movie still holds up. It is so fucking good. Like I said, Arlie Ermy is just special in this movie, mm-hmm. and, and like that whole uh, you know training scene and saying uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as Private Pile. Yes, fucking Such a good amazing. Job. And I, I mean, the movie itself. That for, like, we'll, we'll focus on that first half for now. But this idea kind of carries over to the second half of the movie is just like the way they show how different people deal with that stress how like you know private file fucking snaps and you know like cowboy uh you know like really kind of bows up and takes it and joker does his best to kind of you know like laugh it off and accept it that way and it's so well done and uh, like again that like i said it it was very realistic in the way they portrayed you know boot camp and the way arlie army fucking talked to these dudes right and i also i gotta say that lots of uh lots of language that could not be used if they made that movie today (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> lot lots of bad words and lots of uh, yeah ways they talk to each other that yeah would but not that, fly anymore. Ooh, boy. No, but from <laughs> what I understand though, from the people that I do know that are in the military, that's very accurate. You know, that's oh yeah, that's such that's such a uh, kind of closed door kind of place that even to this day, the shit that they say amongst each other will you know fucking peel the paint from a house right. in 1938. <laughs> So, but uh, I, I also got to say for a long time, I always felt like, uh, you know, the first half was the superior part of the movie. And then the second half was just okay. And I didn't care for it as much, but rewatching it again, that's the second half of this movie is really, really good. Yeah. Like that whole scene, uh, what's it? Adam Baldwin as the animal mother and carries just, the M60. Yeah. What, what M16 fucking M60. lunatic yeah. it is. He is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I, I, and again, like you said, like some brutal, brutal moments with people getting killed and like the sniper shooting them in the leg and then just kept yeah. shooting them in the leg to try and draw people out. And right. Yeah. It, it, it was fucking rough. But mm-hmm. again, uh, I think uh, Joker kind of says it himself at one point where, you know, because here he is, uh, you know, a Marine going through the same training as Cowboy went through and they did all the same shit. But now here he is in Vietnam wearing a, a pin on his shirt that, that has a peace symbol. Right. But yet still on his helmet, he writes, you know, born to kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And when the guy asked him about it and he's like, oh, I guess it's about the duality of man. <laughs> yeah. and, and that is kind of what the the movie shows, too. Like, the, there's a lot of that with the different characters and within the characters themselves. It's a really, really well done movie. Stanley Kubrick. I mean, it's a Stanley Kubrick movie. So, right. 
but really, really well done. And I, I gotta say like now I have a more of an appreciation for the second half of the movie that I used to kind of write off. Cause that basically just cause the first half is so goddamn good. Yeah. This movie yeah. doesn't feel, uh, well, at least the first half, uh, you, you don't think about the length of time that you're actually watching it because Arlie, Ermy, and these characters that are in boot camp are so, like, you're so captivated by what's mm-hmm. going on and their performance, and you get attached to these characters pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and then, then the second half, you start to kind of feel the length of the movie, but it really mixes things up when they're actually in battle. And yeah, right. it's it's something different. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel, AJ? I don't think I can add much to what you guys said. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Kubrick as a director in general? He's good. Are you a little bit butthurt that we shit on letters of Iwo Jima? No. Yeah, seriously. No. <laughs> you know, this is an audio podcast. So like, yeah. it's good. <laughs> that's your answer. <laughs> I don't know how much I can add. You guys said it all. Yeah. Um, and I always forget that, that, uh, the guy that plays, uh, Animal Mother. You said he was a Baldwin. Is he a cousin to like Alec Baldwin, or is he like a direct brother? Actually, you know, I was, or is he even I related to, to the Baldwin brothers? I don't know. I don't think he's really. I think he's from a different family. But I, I actually never. I was, I was thinking about that earlier and forgot to look it up. He was in that show Firefly, right? Yeah, he movie. played Jane. Yeah, that was great. He did a great job in that. Um. Yeah, and the, the gun effects in this movie, I mean, it's it came out in 1987, so there weren't any uh, computer graphics as far as I know. So the gun effects they're using are blanks and explosions with a $30 million budget. So they're they're really, you know, going at it. It's just that kind of... That kind of uh, gun effects compared to Letters of Iwo Jima, this world's different. Mm-hmm. Well, completely different types too. Like I said, they're they're using blanks yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah, I I loved Full Metal Jacket. I like I said D'Onofrio, which I know we're talking a, a bit about the second half of that movie, but that first that last scene there when he's in the bathroom and that look on his face. Oh my god, I just got chills. Ooh, he is so amazing in that scene he's so well done he's one of those guys that he's so he's first of all he's incredibly underrated i think um and he's such a good actor that he's one of those guys where i've seen him in multiple movies and it wasn't until i don't know movie 10 that i realized like holy shit that's the same guy right like you never you know i'd never piece it together yeah he's a really big dude you would think he would stick out like a sore thumb but he uh yeah he's he's really yeah. good at what he does yeah real uh chameleon mm-hmm. so but uh yeah i i huge fan of full metal jacket and uh it you guys you guys want to move on to our last film yeah we can uh move on to the last one we're, we're running through these pretty quick so maybe we can do some shout outs to some other ones um yeah i like that idea so all right, so let, let, let's move on to uh, the movie I, I guess, picked for us. 
And uh, again, like I said in the intro, I know it's not technically a war, but my movie is Black Hawk Down. It is uh, from 2001, directed by Ridley Scott. It stars Josh Hartnett, Ewan McGregor, Tom Sizemore, William Fickner. Eric Bana. Yeah, Eric Bana has got a great role in it. It, and uh, Tom Hardy's in it. Yes, that that was my oh my god, he was in that. I I, holy shit, I totally forgot he was in it. I I didn't. I don't think I knew who Tom Hardy was in right two thousand one when it came out. So as I was watching it last night, I was like, oh my god, that's fucking Tom Hardy. Right, Orlando Bloom's in in this movie. Yeah. So. Uh, tell the story of the uh, like a bunch of kind of special forces troops uh, in Rangers Somalia, right? Yeah, in 1993. Which, uh, like for me, one of the reasons I I really love this movie is all this took place right as I was getting out of boot camp. So, like for me, like there's lots of talk in boot camp of like. You know, it, it doesn't matter what your MOS is, doesn't matter your status. They might just be sending us all over to Somalia. Shit. Like, you know, shit was going down. And so there's lots of talk of it. Obviously, as it turns out, I, I didn't get sent over there and I just got went back to my unit. But, um, you know, it, it happened at a time that, that I was in the military and watching it. It was it felt very fucking real to me these these guys talked uh the the way we talked when i was in the army the fucking jargon they used the way they talked to each other the way they they interacted with each other was like very fucking real like the, the that felt like the army i knew so um yeah i i, I really loved it and for me uh, what I love about this movie most is it is I, I think the best word I can use is relentless like you know they, they give you so, the, the basics at the beginning kind of set things up and then they get into it and it is non fucking stop like tension edge of your seat action what the fuck's gonna happen and the yeah just the way it's shot, the way they build the tension, it is absolutely gripping. I fucking love this movie. It's maybe my favorite war movie of all time. Um, but why, why don't we let AJ kick us off? AJ, what were your thoughts on Black Hawk Down? Did you, have you watched it recently? What do you think of it? Uh, well, it's really violent. Really loud, mm-hmm. and it was a really terrible plan. Really terrible plan. Like yeah, the, the true story, right? Like the actual <laughs> yeah. military plan was really bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they totally underestimated what the fuck they were getting into. Like, right. and and especially the you know those guys. Like I said, it, it was all Rangers and Delta Force. These guys are like fucking top-notch soldiers these guys that don't fuck around and so i think they all went in there figuring like you know no one's gonna hurt us we're badasses and so they thought that the small group they were sending in there was going to be fine 
and yeah, they they were sadly mistaken. Yeah, like the whole city ended up turning against them. Yeah. So, did you watch this movie recently, AJ? Uh, yeah, I saw it recently. Um, <clears throat> it's just a lot of the scenes really made my stomach turn, like the violence and the um, uh, when the kid uh, gets his uh, leg shot, and then they're like pinching oh the carot- the uh, femoral <sighs> artery, and then yeah, trying to get them. it. Oof. That was really, I was, I, I had a hard time watching the rest of the movie after that. So. Mm. Yeah, brutal yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and that's what the, the movie does a really good job of like showing how just brutal and frenetic a situation like that could be, you know, mm-hmm. like as well trained as these guys are, like, you, you know, you, you, you can't expect shit like that to happen. And, and when it does, uh, as much training as you had, it's going to freak you out. And, like yeah, these dudes. I you, you felt for them too. That was the other thing. Yeah. Except for the one, which by the way, character I did really love is uh Tom Sizemore's character. Oh yeah. Who just didn't give a fuck. Like he's he's bullets flying everywhere. and just walking straight up. Doesn't care if he got yeah. shot and killed. He did not give a fuck. Yeah. He was very uh, you know, kind of. And granted, like yeah, it's kind of cheesy like you know character thing but it was fun to watch he, he and he and but tom sizemore did a really good job of it which probably is mostly because tom sizemore is fucking insane right so i think he's in the math right that's his uh yeah oh yeah he's, he's been in yeah, he's been in a one of them rehab. He he was like he dated Heidi Fleiss for a while. Like he was in a relationship with her. Like you know the Hollywood madam. Yeah, that that dude is a fucking lunatic. But at the same time, a dude I would kind of want to be friends with. I I, <laughs> I would fucking totally hang out with Tom Sizemore. <laughs> he seems like a good time. You're gonna go to jail. <laughs> Yeah, oh, most likely, but we'll have fucking fun on our way there. You're going to go to jail. He's going to get out of it somehow. It, everything's going to get pinned on you, and he's, yeah, not going to bail you out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, Marky, what what about you? What were your thoughts on this movie? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this one, too. Uh, like you said, this movie came out in 2001, so that would have been, uh, I, I was a freshman in high school at that time, and um just like the the non-stop action you know you guys know how much i like action scenes and movies and like you were touching on dan this movie is it is relentless with the action it's this movie's two and a half hours long and to me it doesn't feel like it because it just doesn't give you a chance to breathe yeah. it, you you really get the feeling uh of what these kind of guys are, are going through just because of how again to use this word relentless it is in this this attack that they're in it was supposed to be a quick operation, like a, an hour or something, maybe less. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And they end up having to be there overnight. And it's just nonstop. They, they have two helicopters end up going down that they end up trying to send, redirect their troops to. Because, you know, it's, it's that whole thing of like never leave a man behind. And not just that, but there's also sensitive technology on these uh, 
these aircraft that they don't want to go into enemy hands. So they, yeah, so they sabotage that shit. Them up. Yeah. Right. Um, but this movie, besides all that, uh, this movie does a fantastic job of having so many different characters in it, but that they all have their, they're all unique even though they're all soldiers, like they're like the way that they all go about it, like they're all unique. Um, you remember they're, they're consistent and the, the scenes that they have uh, the on, on screen time of how they would react like Josh Hartnett, Eric Bana as this mm-hmm. uh, Southern Delta dude, that's just incredibly gifted at war. Yeah. And um <laughs> Tom Sizemore, like you said, like he's always just kind of like nonchalant walking around. The uh, the general, I, I, his name escapes me, but uh, he oh. always plays a military dude. I feel like right that that <laughs> general there. Yeah. Um, and then there's some of the Somali guys too. Like there's that the the main Somali bad guy. Like he's got like his own kind of uh, just uh, his words are escaping me. The the, the the character fleshes out more and more throughout it and the pirates right. Jamie Lannister's in this movie too I forget uh he's one of the the Delta snipers that comes down to protect the bird mm-hmm. um Jeremy Piven's in it yeah Piven um, was one of the pilots how many fucking people down. yeah 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 this, this movie has a ton of people that yeah again watching I was like holy shit he was in this <laughs> and I forget the guy's name the actor he's the Scottish guy he was in uh train spotting He's the yeah. one that's throughout the movie. He's next to uh, Tom Hardy. It's the two. Yes. They're, they're the yeah. two like light machine gunners that are always running around together. Yeah, he was. Uh, he ends up he going was the sniper in Wonder Woman too. That's right. The yeah. Scottish like, sniper from Wonder that Woman. That guy's. Yeah. I love that guy. Um, yeah, Orlando Bloom. He's the one that ends up falling out of the helicopter. He's like the first <sighs> kind of casualty that they have to get out of there. Yeah. But this, this movie is two thousand one, and this movie has a mixture of computer graphics and um, blanks and real explosions. And they, mm-hmm. they blend it together very well. There's only a few scenes where the computer graphics are kind of dated and you can notice it. But other than that, um, the, the action and the actual like pace of these gunfights I felt was done very, very well. The movie yeah. had a ninety-two million dollar budget estimated, mm-hmm. um, you know, massive scale. And what I was touching on earlier with letters of Iwo Jima, how I felt like it didn't feel like a real battle because there was never that many actors on scene to give it this the feel of the scale of a battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Hawk Down is kind of the opposite of that, where they have so many people in uh full yeah. uniform you know the, the wardrobe is just massive and just yeah. dozens and, and dozens of people fighting yeah. at once and and multiple times too like there's right. you know the scene like said when i think it was the the second chopper that went down and like there's just hundreds the crowds and hundreds of people. of people swarming towards it and yeah you know just and you, you you felt that that the one dude that was still alive trying to fight them all off, yeah, and, and just getting closer and closer, horrifying, yeah, yeah. But it's um, so so well done, and, and and again because it was something that really happened and happened recently, 
like you know uh some of the stuff they showed that seems like oh come on that's that's a bit movie-ish it was shit that really happened like those two delta force guys did go down by themselves to protect that chopper and And, you know and both of them end up getting killed but they did fucking do that like and i think they got the uh the movie says it and like when it's rolling credits uh those two guys got the uh medal of honor i believe yes posthumously however you say it um yeah the jamie lannister and the other guy mm-hmm. um those guys yeah total badass and as characters in the movie i mean i'm sure in real life if it was any semblance of that total badasses in real life as well uh, that's just insane like they knew they requested to go down there they got denied and then they requested again they're like you know that we can't help you if you go down there like, yeah, yeah if you go, go down there you're want probably to gonna go. die and they said yeah. yeah we're going down anyways and they yeah. went and protected that dude as long as they could they and mm-hmm. actually, if you think about it, they did save that dude because he got captured by the, you know, that bad guy. And as we found out after the movie, did get released after a few days. 11 days I'm sure or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure it was a brutal, brutal yeah. 11 days. But he did live. He got to go home because of those guys. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the uh, the aircraft and the convoy the trucks the, the uh later in the movie they have the apcs and like the tanks roll out with mm-hmm. the scale of all of that with these uh, vehicles that they implement too um and, and then the uh the enemy forces they have those technical trucks like pickup trucks with like those 50 yeah. cows mounted in the right. back there's just so much going on and then this the city which is the setting that they're just destroying as they move through it's a massive scale movie mm-hmm. um you know and i had forgotten it was a ridley scott movie as soon as i turned it on last night i i just i could i could recognize it immediately like this is a ridley scott movie right. and i googled it i'm like yep sure enough it is it had his feel all over it um and there was a little bit of a filter thing kind of like how i was complaining about uh letters of Iwo Jima. this one t- also had a filter it was like almost like an africa filter it was like this right. yellow uh yellowish red kind of filter to it but it, i don't it, i've seen other movies i mean that's that's not uncommon um but it, that that does kind of annoy me when they just use a filter like oh this is africa it's everything's got a yellow tint to it right <laughs> it's yeah. kind of silly yeah. but and i'm gonna say we might as well let's let's talk about this aspect of it too and because it kind of goes with the Vietnam movie as well, is um, just that whole idea of like, what the fuck was the American military doing there to begin with? Right. I mean, it, it, and that's what's especially tough about the Somalia situation was like, you know, like how there's thousands and thousands of Somalis dying of starvation. So, like, you can't just turn a blind eye to it. You got to do something. And, you know, when the world sent food, like these asshole, like warlords started just taking all the food and giving it out to whoever they deemed deserved it. And so, like, you can't just turn a blind eye to it. But at the same time, like, why? Why do American soldiers have to go in there and die for this? Like, why isn't there? Like the UN that comes in at the very end, like where they were, where the fuck were they at the beginning? What, yeah. why is it 
all these American soldiers going and dying for clearly for a place that didn't want them there. They, they mm. weren't welcome. But yet, how do you not go? How, how do you fucking say no to that as a country? How do, how do you just let all these people die and do nothing about it? You know, so yeah. it's it's one of those weird things as, uh, you know, being a, a superpower like the United States is like, you, where do you draw the line? When do you go in? When do you not? And it's kind of the same with Vietnam. I think Vietnam was a little different because there was right. that whole like uh, communism, communism. Yeah, yeah, the communism aspect and feeling like, oh, democracy is better than communism we're gonna show you you know but again it was like why are we there we don't need to be there maybe it would be good if we were but how do you do it it's a it's a weird fucking thing to you know deal with when when you're one of the most powerful countries in the world yeah well that was also um you know i'm, I'm younger than than you guys are and your history during that times undoubtedly better than mine that I remember. But that time seems like it was uh, almost like uh, pretty much peak America and the world was looking, you know, when there's those kinds of, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> America. Fuck. Yeah. America. I'm going to say yeah. the fucking day. Yeah. Team America, world police, <laughs> you know, the world, when there's these uh, slights against, humanity and these other areas the, the world is looking at us like it's like the un is looking at us to help yeah. the un were yeah the un's like that's their job but they're they're looking at us like you're gonna do something about this or we're just gonna sit by and watch it mm-hmm. we, we obviously you know found out when we stuck our nose in too many problems at once we uh really end up fucking ourselves right but yeah yeah, that was that was during that time where we thought we could still help the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because, and especially, uh, you know, like through the the eighties and and the beginning of the nineties, with like hunger and starvation was a huge thing in uh, Africa, especially. Like we had that whole like "We Are the World," the right. you know the that huge song by USA for Africa where like everything was about raising money so these people didn't have to starve to death anymore mm-hmm. and then like i said in somalia when we raised all this money had all this food and we sent it to them but the people still weren't getting it so right but and then it fell to the united states to do something which it really fucking sucked for the families of all those soldiers that died right yeah i mean and i i like to think that the military and the government learn their lesson with uh mm. not sticking their nose into every fucking problem across the globe but right. you know we've got we got enough issues in the, in our own country that we need to get straightened out why are we talking about po- this this has gone away oh, from yeah. is this a movie podcast yeah <laughs> all right well let's talk about iraq and afghanistan too like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> all right george bush senior <laughs> the first Iraq war. Right. <laughs> you got to go all the way back to 1776. <laughs> Very good. Um, so, like I said, actually, we kind of breeze through this movie. Let's uh, 
Let's talk about some other ones we loved, especially there's one. I I mean, I guess as a show, we've been wanting to talk about a little bit at least is uh, Saving Private Ryan. Right. Yeah. This one brought up uh, during the vault episode, but let's let's officially talk about Saving Private Ryan on the show. Good. Just so it'll officially be vault eligible, because again, this is a movie that I I can't like. Like I said, that uh, that relentless, frenetic feeling you got in Black Hawk Down, it, they they turn that up to twelve for that beginning beach storming scene. Oh and my god! Saving Private Ryan. That was so. I know. I guess jarring would be the word I would use. Like yeah. the first time you saw it, just like terrifying and jarring. Oh, almost and... couldn't believe what you were saying. Yes. Yeah. It's and the um, I'm sure you guys, as well versed as you are in movies, have heard that when that movie came out, there was uh, like a I think it was like a helpline that was established that the the creators of this movie had put together because uh, you know we still had uh, quite a bit more World War II vets around when this movie, Seven Private Ryan, came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were stories of guys that just like broke down when seeing yeah. it um, that had been involved in the Normandy landing. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, I personally wasn't there when on the no? D-Day landing. No, I wasn't. You yeah. sure? I could have sworn I saw you uh-uh. there. um but you know god damn how fucking realistic and accurate does that feel like you know it was scary to watch and anxiety panic inducing just what went through that um did such a good job spielberg i mean who would have thought that he could do a war movie like that and the reason we didn't pick it as one of our uh our choices for tonight I, i think if you guys will agree is just because it was too obvious. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, in, in my mind, Saving Private Ryan is one of the best, if not the best war movies ever made. It's just mm-hmm. so tight. And uh, again, I wasn't in World War II. I wasn't Are uh, you fighting sure? <laughs> yeah, in Europe, but um, it just feels so accurate. Like yeah. not just the wardrobe and the, the squad, but like the, the way that these guys, go through the country and interact with the, the civilians and the, the, the way they operate. Um, the, they, the, they didn't pretty it up. Yeah. No. You know, like you, you see a movie like platoon, which, you know, nothing against it. I, I enjoy platoon, but you know, like the scene when, uh, when he gets shot and he's yeah. like flailing arms and <sighs> you know, oh, I'm getting shot. You know, like they, they Hollywooded it. Hollywooded it, you know yeah. what I mean. It yes. up. Whereas with Saving Private Ryan, like they they didn't make it pretty. They they didn't make it easy to watch. They they yeah. showed you like how how brutal it was. So which um, yeah, it was different at the time. Like you didn't you never yeah. got to see that before. Yeah, uh, ruthless, gritty, and another. Uh, this movie came out before. I, you know that I don't know the year off the top of my head when Seven Private Ryan came out, like late 90s, 97, 95, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Black Hawk Down, it has a massive cast 
of yeah. well-known people. Everybody did a phenomenal job acting wise. And it, it gives you that scale of the feel of a battle because there's so many people packed on screen that are all acting and everyone's everyone knows their role as, as far as like where they need to be on set. And in that scene, it just comes off. It was done so well. Yeah. The, the setting, the scenery is just is beautifully shot, accurate. Um, mm-hmm. And we're moving across France and the, you know, uh, the enemy soldiers, the civilians, everyone like the non-Americans, I guess, like all of those people were every everybody's role was acted so well that you never at least i was i i was never like taken out of the movie from something like that like you notice or you point out or like oh that's stupid you know like the whole thing was there's no moments like that and yeah Yeah. and it's a pretty long movie and it was uh 1998 it came out and it's two hours and 49 minutes damn yeah, and in that whole time, you never get pulled out of the movie. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's excellent. God damn, that's that really is a good one. Nathan, that's Fillion, one I'm gonna. I might Vin watch. Vin Diesel, Barry yeah, Pepper, we're randomly Vin Matt Diesel, Damon, so. <laughs> um, Matt Damon. Thank you. <laughs> um, what the uh, guy? His name is escapes me. It's it's actually the guy. Uh, when you, whenever you see Nathan Fillion on screen. Um, Ted, uh, the guy from Cheers. Ted, oh, Ted Danson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah Ted Danson. He's in there too. Yeah. And Barry Pepper. Paul, Paul Barry Giamatti. Pepper's a dude I thought was gonna like be something, and he kind of went away. Like he had a couple big moments, like right around Saving Private Ryan time, and and he played I think it was like Roger Maris in this Yankees movie. And then he just kind of uh-huh. went away. He was in. Uh, yeah, he, he comes. He comes and goes. He, he was in. Um, uh, damn, I've had too much to drink. Now I've got grain brain. <laughs> I remember shit. He then, was uh, in the movie with. There's the recreation that the Coen Brothers did of the old Westy movie. Um, True Jeff Daniel or Jeff Bridges. True Grit. Yeah, True Grit, he was the yeah. bad guy in True Grit. Yeah. But yeah, he was. He's. I. I liked him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, everyone knows Saving Private Ryan. If someone hasn't, by some reason, watched it now, that's one of the most powerful mm-hmm. war movies, powerful movies in general ever made. Just like yeah. you said, that opening scene is. I mean, it's that opening scene. It's pulled from real life, but it has been imitated, emulated ever since with the way that Spielberg shot it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Same thing with the, the sniper, uh, Barry Pepper, when he shoots the enemy sniper through the scope and yes. pops him in the eye. That's, that's something else that's been recreated and done afterwards. Um, you know, have you ever heard of the guy from Vietnam, true life sniper, Carlos Hathcock? Mm-mm. He was uh, the like an American sniper and he's actually got a confirmed kill where he shot an enemy sniper down through the, his scope. Oh, through really? The, through the yeah. eye. Yeah. Oh, all right. Interesting. <laughs> so, um, 
Another war movie I, I love. And again, very, very different feel war movie. This one's a lot more kind of trippy and weird is uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I mean, again, it's Francis Ford Coppola. It's got Martin Sheen and Marlon Brando in it. And, and that's one that is more like has a bunch of awesome scenes but maybe not as great as like a a a beginning to end film but has awesome moments throughout that are just fucking great and obviously like iconic shit like you know i love the smell of napalm in the morning smells like victory you know like shit like that that is just iconic but i uh, i watched apocalypse now the original version I actually watched the entire Apocalypse Now Redux. How long was that? I believe it was like almost six hours long. God damn. Yeah, I watched the whole thing one time. And Did you break it up over like several days or something? No, I, I just took some acid and watched it. So. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Not the best idea, but it was fun to do. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Woo. Doggy, that was a good time. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever watched uh, Apocalypse Now all the way through. I've seen scenes of it, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I know like Marlon Brando. I know like kind of just a bit. Like he's gone off the reservation, right? And he's like got yeah. these like loyal people that are with him, and he's kind of out in the jungles starting his own thing. Yeah. And, and Martin, Martin Sheen, Sheen's got to go like, find him. Right, right, right. And ends up killing him in the end. Is that part of his? Is is that his job to do that, or he just decides to do that? I don't remember that. I think he was supposed to kill him, yeah, or bring okay. him back. But okay. I don't think they cared. They just wanted them off. Wanted stop, him stop doing what he was doing. Yeah. So. How about you, H.A.? You got any other movies that you uh, want to shout out that you enjoy? I almost feel like you guys should have picked my movie for this week. That way, <laughs> it would have been a good movie. Well, that's, uh, I, I'd never... Uh... I went into, like I said, I went into Letters blind. Um, mm. Never watched it before. Um, you guys should have picked Saving Private Ryan for me since I haven't seen it in 23 you, years. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you were about to say you haven't oh, seen it. I'll throw out a movie, but I'm almost afraid to at this point, but I'll throw one out. Oh my God, Jesus. Um, I'll throw one out there. Yeah. I won't talk too much about it because I don't know the sound of guns and how it's supposed to be. I'll help you out. Dunkirk is one that yeah. I really, really liked. Yeah, yeah. I haven't Nolan. seen that one yet. So like- what I like about it is that they tell the story in three different timelines. One takes place over like a week. One takes place over a day. One timeline takes place over an hour. It's kind of like a trippy little I did not realize te- that. technique yeah, that he's using to tell the story of this evacuation of Dunkirk, which actually I think that particular initiative or whatever it was that particular thing turned the tide in the, into in the germans favor i think yeah, that particular the british got their ass kicked theater of war you like that particular thing that happened yeah the british got kind of definitely there. definitely a swing of uh momentum right towards the towards the germans right right so it's not like it's not a crowning achievement in in the annals of world war ii for you know the good guys but it's a very interesting told story another 
uh, war movie with Tom Hardy in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought it was excellent. And I, I mean, I love Christopher Nolan. I think, you know, uh, it won a couple, a few Oscars for like sound editing and film editing and, you know, Mm -hmm. It won some like technical awards, but it was nominated for eight, I think, total. But oh, damn! Um, it, you know, best picture included, of course, but it, it won some technical stuff, if I remember correctly. It won, uh, let me look, I got it up film editing, sound editing, and sound mixing. Nice, which is really like you know what Nolan's kind of known for, very good at, yeah, really good at the, 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 um. You know, like, I don't know, like, what goes into sound editing and mixing and all that, but it's very sharp. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, like, you know, there's no holes in his game when it comes to that sort of stuff. What's what's funny, though, interestingly enough, that's, like, what people were bitching at the most when it came to the uh, recent movie, right? The um, the one with the... uh, Tenet? Tenet, yeah. People were a lot of people were bitching online about the sound mixing on that when he was uncompromising. He's like, no, fuck you. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, tenant, I don't think there's any of those. I mean, he won an Oscar for it. So obviously not. Um, but, but, Dun- you know, but Dunkirk is, is tight like that. Uh, yeah. All the sound is, and they're war sounds. So they're like, you know, there's a lot going on in every scene when it comes to sound with a right. film like that, as opposed to Tenet. Tenet, I think you can, Tenet I think st- strange sounds. Right, but you can isolate sounds in, in films like that. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's like gunfire and things going on, but in a war, there's yeah. like troops moving, guns, multiple guns firing, uh, the plane, the fighter planes in the air, like that. All was, that. That's what I was going to mention. That those right. are my favorite all parts that. of the movie. Is yeah, the fighter planes that. with Tom Hardy. Yeah. So all that going on, that was really well done. I thought with mm-hmm. the sound. So I agree. Yeah. yeah. That that movie. Um, it's not. It's not a uh, an action packed. Uh, war movie. Actually, that that's that does seem like a, a more fitting war movie for you, AJ. Just in the the sense that. It's not overly violent. Actually, and really, Christopher Nolan is uh, very mild when it comes to violence, even in like the Batman trilogy, uh, in particular with uh, the second one, Joker. There's never like any blood in the entire movie. Um, right. There's a lot of atrocities and like horrible yeah. things done to people. But they're but done. It seems those... like it's off off camera, or it's mm-hmm. not. You don't see like the impact of the bullet, sort of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, kind of what Dunkirk does. But you know, and yes, and I feel like he's showing off in that movie because there's so much going on. I don't know what the budget for that one was. Talk about scale of people. Got to be a huge s- budget. That that movie, like on the the beach scenes, there's hundreds of dudes that are in uniform. Yeah, uh, the scale, the, the scale of the, um, you know, the field of view or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what you call and it. On, on, and the pier when they're they're all packed in shoulder yeah, to shoulder. Yes, back, yes. Back. Yeah, like sardines almost. They're like so yeah. tightly in there. That and those, it does a great job of, uh, again, kind of like Saving Private Ryan of just that panic, anxiety inducing. 
they're all slammed together like sardines on that dock. And then they start like fish in a barrel, right? Like it's like they're all there. Yeah. And then they start hearing the, the, the whistle, the scream of the German fighter planes coming down on them. And like, it's like one guy looks up and then they all look up and then there's just like a rake of bullets that comes across. Yeah. That's scary Um, stuff. So that's a good one. I mean, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a good, like recent one too. I think that was, um, what year was that? 2017 yeah so that's a good like recent yeah. war film and it tells what the is... story uh, sorry dp i was it just gonna say it tells a story where like the bad the bad guys kind of they get yeah. the upper hand you know and christopher nolan he is english british yeah, um yep yeah, and this is yeah. this is like a, a sour side of like what the british military had happened yeah, they're not, they're not pr- they're not proud of that. No, but what's yeah. what Christopher Nolan paints in that, which is very uplifting, is how the civilians in this story came to the call and took all their own uh, civilian and personal boats, what, what fishing boats, charter boats. Oh, right, 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 right. Yep. To go yep. across the English Channel to retrieve yes. these troops that were stuck there and then bring them yeah. back. Because the 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 military, the naval ships were getting shredded by the German aircraft. I gotta tell you, like war movie or not, I I, I like that Nolan takes big swings with his films, you know, like whether mm-hmm. they always work. I think for this film it did work from a technical standpoint. Yeah. Not every not it doesn't always work. People say tenant it didn't really work. You know, but I think mm-hmm. it did it does work from um, the majority of his films. Yeah, I think and, so too. And he, you know, he's pushing, you know, the envelope which I like. Uh, yeah, he's doing know, like what I he said, wants to it. And that like. was that's the first time he's ventured into the, you know, the war film mm-hmm. you know, um category or genre and I don't know, and the, the scale of it was bigger than anything he's done. Clearly, so. clearly, right? Because all the yeah. extras that he had to bring in, right, uh, for those scenes that you're talking about, the beach and the pier, and yeah, the, yeah, the so town. many extras and so many extra people um, to film. Be- beautifully shot too. The 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 aircraft scenes with Tom Hardy. I and- just got a 50 inch TV, right? Uh, uh, well, <laughs> nice. I had a 50 inch. But I got a new one with the 4K, so that would be a good, would be a good one to watch on that. Maybe yeah. just because, um, the yeah, the the shots are really beautiful. He does well he done. does a great job of doing some picturesque. Scenes. Actually, the, actually, Saving Private Ryan, even though it's 1998, I think would would uh, achieve a similar effect just because of that's the, a beautiful movie too. Yeah, right. It would achieve a similar effect on, I don't know if it's optimized for like 4k. I don't know what they would need to do to a 99, 1998 film or any oh. film like that, especially where you're talking about the, the opening scenes of same Brian Ryan with the, um, the frenetic sort of pace to it. And the, mm. um, just the, the carnage, I guess, you yeah. know, like just like, you know, straight yeah. up carnage and the way that um, the cinematography is done at the opening of Saber Private Ryan. Yes. It's Intentionally. Like, it's almost like you're right. You're frantic. Like, like the cameraman's not a cameraman. He's like one of the soldiers running and around. Like it's like shaking. It's bobbling around. Yeah. yeah. So on a better TV, I imagine that would a, a little resonate. Uh, a little movie detail. I don't know if you guys 
maybe you've heard this before, but do you remember in that uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan when they storm the beach and they get up past the pillboxes and there's the two uh, soldiers that come out and they've got their, their hands up and they're speaking in a foreign language and then the U.S. troops shoot them when they're unarmed. And the guy's like, what do you say? What do you say? He says, look, mother, I'm washed for supper. It's somebody, I found this online. I'm not smart enough to realize this. Somebody online pointed out, I believe they were speaking like Czechoslovakian or something like that. They're, they weren't mm. German. They were saying, don't shoot, don't shoot. We're not German. And uh, it, was, it was one of the things that the German military did when they went on their war path across Europe was, uh, you know, conscripting these men in other countries and those guys were saying we're not german don't shoot don't shoot and they just got blasted anyways because the damn yankees can understand them well, wrong <laughs> wrong place wrong time mm-hmm. so, um have have you guys seen the the one uh came out just a couple of years ago uh the one that was like that one shot the one long take i think it was 1917 1917 oh no. that's yeah. a good good thing to bring i love that movie do you, you did say is it good yeah is it, I, it's worth I watching loved it yeah right, um gonna, first of all that one out. for just the sake that there's not enough world war one movies mm-hmm. um and they did a good job you know you could you could uh poke holes in this for different things it's so for my opinion, two reasons to see it. Uh, there's not enough true World War I movies. And two, the idea of this uh, one take throughout, which, you know, obviously, truly, it's not one take. because it's not one breaks. take. Right, right, right. right. It's not one take. Uh, they obviously the, Yes, cuts, they do. But they, they did it well. similar, I think, to how they did Bur- uh, exactly. Burnhead. Yeah, very exactly. similar. Where you, similar it's hard, similar it's hard strategy. To tell. Yeah, it's hard to tell where the breaks are. It's hard but to tell with Birdman too. It's like right. so seamless. It's like and regardless of what you think of that movie, it's it's it, the craft, the craftsmanship. Yes, beautiful. Is that the right word? Yeah, I the think craftsmanship so, yeah. of that like cinematography, the way that was shot, and I'm sure it's the same way with 1917. Right, it is. So it's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell where the breaks are, and the movie itself takes place over you know uh, 24 hours or something. Kind of like how Birdman takes place over, I don't know, 70, 36 or Right, but that's hours. what that's why it works when you're trying to exactly. sell it as a single take because right. it's happening over that just that period of time. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, which is and it does it works brilliant. You know, I think it works. Uh, it, 1917, in my opinion, it works just as well as they were able to pull it off in uh, Birdman. Well, that I'm glad DP brought that up because that's one I haven't seen. Oh, and um, I haven't seen it. I've, I, I've, you know, it got a lot of buzz, and it, it should have right. supposedly was supposed to win more Oscars. It was like one of the front runners for Best Picture. It didn't end up winning, and people were surprised that it didn't. I, just because of, you know, when a movie's unique like that, and it's got a, such a uh, cool style to it that this mm-hmm. one has. It's, I don't know. It's usually one of those like. And a war film, like you said, World War One is not something you see captured on no. film. No, uh, I mean at, hardly at all, right? Like you see World War Two a lot. You do if, see Vietnam sometimes. If there and is I, a movie that has World War One, it's just like almost like a background 
setting. It's not like it's not the movie, right? So, it's like uh, it's like that's what's going on in yeah. the time period, yeah. but it's another story that they're telling. Well, like, that, that's that movie what, with Brad. What's Pitt going on when Wonder Woman comes over from Paradise Island and Martha Mascara? That movie had more World War One than was it Atonement? Else? I'm thinking of. There's another. There's other films like that where it's just like they're telling a story in that era. Yes. It's not a war film. And they mm-hmm. they might have a couple scenes where they went to war and then they came back and they were right, like the same. Right. right. And you know what? That that's a good segue actually because when I was thinking of war films, I was also thinking of like there are films out there about the aftermath of like the psychological aftermath of people coming uh, home from war, like the deer hunter or dead presidents. <laughs> yes. Yes, actually. Um, but Rambo? there's a hand, Hell right. Yeah. There's a, right? First blood. There's a handful yeah. of those where they talk about like people coming home, like Christopher Walken won an Oscar for the hunter um, so coming home from Vietnam. But you know, you've seen it, Marky, right? Yeah. So they have the, you know, obviously they went, they, they, went through the whole Russian roulette thing. They were prisoners of war. And that was just so traumatized. The, the PS, PTSD for walking was crazy. You know, like mm-hmm. his performance was unbelievable in that film. I remember yeah. the first time I saw that film, uh, it just shook me. It just shook me yeah. the way, the way, um, the way he portrayed that character. But, you know, there's plenty of films out there like that where it's not, the war but it's what the war has done to somebody right you know and there's there's a lot of stories to tell about that you know what happens to people from just being in war yeah um it's fucked up yeah i mean it's uh it's it's a brutes magoots situation that's for sure people that are in combat even the ones that like to say that it didn't affect them it it did somewhere somehow like it comes out in their personality somewhere else right 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 whether it's overt or whether they have to seek any sort of like help or you know whatever it still affects them in some way to your point so you know it's the horrors of war Mm -hmm. And Which, not all the actual war, war, like actual movies that take place where you're seeing battle. Uh, they don't, you know, show the human side of it. Sometimes it's more focused on just the actual, they're in the shit. Like they yeah. talk about in Full Metal Jacket. I want to yeah. be in the shit, you know, like it, I, you I get mean, wrapped what, up in it. That's what makes it so like rife for filmmaking. Like there's so the many emotion. aspects of it. There's so much emotion and yeah yeah, different ways people deal with it and different Mm -hmm. sides of it that you can look at so it it, it makes her a great you know uh great great storytelling so yeah agreed 100 percent. and on top of that i mean war is as old as man right i mean Mm. that's something that has been going on as soon as two assholes came across the same piece of land or water right like, hey fucker i was here first yeah so Came let me ask you guys if, woolly mammoth so mm-hmm. we talked you guys talked about saving private ryan you know one of the best war movies ever made spielberg legendary filmmaker so another film came out same year same oscar nomination like same oscar like season 
it was nominated for some Oscars. Have you guys seen, which I haven't, by the way, I'm not going to talk about it because I haven't seen it, uh, The Thin Red Line? I have not. So it came out same year as Saving Private so Ryan. Ago, I can't quite remember everything, but I remember Sean Penn was in it, right? Sean Penn's in it, yep. yeah. Yeah, I, I did see it, but it's Terrence, Terrence Malick directs it. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So he's he's a hit or miss kind of guy for me. Yeah, right. So like for me with Clint Eastwood, it's totally hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, he's you know, he's one I don't feel like I've ever gotten too into his films, Malik. Right. I don't know much about him. But I know it was same year as Saving Private Ryan. It was critically acclaimed as well. It was well-received and got a lot of Oscar nominations. Not as many as Saving Private Ryan, but it was in there with it. But, you know, obviously Shakespeare in Love was, you know, so much better than those movies, I think. (laughs) Isn't Terrence Malick the one that, like, makes one movie, like, every 10 years or something? Yeah, was The Tree of Life Terrence Malick? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he doesn't make a lot of movies. And he did that one uh, we we talked about briefly on the show, uh, maybe season one, the one called Song to Song. And it was starring Fassbender and Ryan Gosling and Rooney Mara, Natalie Portman. And it was an absolute piece of shit. Terrible fucking movie. I didn't watch that. Yeah, this awesome cast. And it was Terrence Malick, so everyone was all excited about it, and it was awful. It yeah. was fucking terrible. I think we, I think we brought it up during the Fastbender episode, maybe, because I, I tried watching it, and it sucked. Oh, it was so Damn. terrible. So, so bad. Are there any um, like older not older, like when they were made, but like Civil War. That's or, what I was trying to think. So or Revolutionary a, War. Yeah. Um, oh, there's like films. a glory. If you want to watch something about the Revolutionary War, you could watch Hamilton, which is on Disney oh. Plus. What? What? You can, you can go fuck off. <laughs> Dude, so Hamilton I heard. I, so I was told. Link. I, I I saw Lincoln on a list of some of the best war movies. Is Lincoln oh. actually a war movie? No. The one and with Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. And that movie is boring so. as fuck. That's not a war movie. That's that's. Is there uh, besides Glory? Is there is there any other like Civil War? Civil War films because obviously you've um, got uh, Cold Mountain, which is centered at that time, but it's that's a pretty good. It's movie, only got yeah. a couple battles of that. There's actual the, war in it. the one Ted Danson was in about uh, Robert E. Lee. <laughs> that's the uh, fake one that was from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Deep joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, I can't think of any like, you know, 18th or 19th century war. I think that's war one of, of 1812 those... or like whatever. Like, that's one of those. Of um, yeah, I don't know any offhand. Even, even the Civil War, there's not, I'm sure our, our uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of fans will let us know of mm. a movie that we're missing. But Civil War seems like one of those where it's like a backdrop to a setting of a movie, right? So Cold Mountain's right. kind of like that. Um, Do you think it's because like um, filming a contemporary film about that era when it comes to like the technical war side of it is more difficult to do? Um, maybe. I don't know. But, I'm, I'm, well, look at the, the page. might just be the subject Mel matter. Gibson. 
They, they yeah. did a pretty good job filming think, that. It wasn't I a think, great movie, but they did a good job with the film. I, really yeah, like I think the out. battle scenes were were well yeah. done. Yeah. AJ, I think it I might think. be more of the subject matter that uh, yeah. maybe but a lot of people might want to stay away on. from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe because, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's also just wholly American, right? Like, it's just an American thing. Whereas, like, World War One, World War Two is a global... Yeah, these are global conflicts. You know what I mean. So if if somebody were to make a civil war movie, and they tried to paint it in a way to where the Confederate soldiers and the Union soldiers were both relatable, then you would undoubtedly have a bunch of pissed off people on one mm-hmm. side or the other. If yeah. you painted the Confederate soldiers in a bad light, Union soldiers in a good light which, you know, is kind of the course of history that most uh, normal Americans abide by at this time. So to your point, that's why, so to your point, that's why, you know, maybe they're doing a movie where it's the backdrop and they're telling it some other story. Yeah. Right. uh, So that they're not treading into any sort of water that they're not going to be comfortable with the backlash. Right. If they were to tread into like, I don't know. But, you know, I, I think it would be, I think I'd, I'd like to see something again, like glory or whatever, or something that I could, you know, venture into those, especially like the revolutionary war. I'd, lo- I'd love to see a colonial era film. Now I did like about the like the Boston Tea Party or like the Boston yeah. Massacre. About the, how about the Boston Massacre? Not, you don't even have to tell the story. Like, There's a great one the about war. Alexander Hamilton. You can go fuck off. No one's gonna watch that, dude. It is so good. Yeah, you guys I mean, are I all gonna that. watch it eventually, and you're all gonna be like, "Ah, sorry, Dan, you were right. That is fucking brilliant. We should have watched it a long time ago." I'm never gonna watch it, so I don't ever have to say those oh. words. I will I don't force think you I, to watch it. I, I, I'm unlikely to watch it either. <laughs> your loss. Uh, <laughs> um. The. Uh, I, I know it's not a movie necessarily, but have you guys ever seen that miniseries, the Hatfields and McCoys, Kevin Costner and Bill Paxton? No, I think it was on like uh, AMC or something like that. It's, I, it was decent. I liked it. But again, it's kind of like uh, Civil War is the backdrop, or at least the, the first episode is the Civil War, because both um, the uh, head of the household of each family fought on the confederate side and mm-hmm. uh i forget which one is which but kevin costner ends up deserting and going home early and bill paxton stays and gets captured and spends quite a bit of time in a union prison camp um, and ends up coming home kind of like messed up in the head and shit and it sets the tone from there because he's all pissed off and been out of shape kevin costner but, uh, but legit if you actually if you do want to watch a good uh one about the revolution uh it's it's on netflix as a series it was originally on amc called turn washington mm. spies and it's about like the secret spy ring for that uh george washington that. ran yeah i never watched it but i remember i know you're talking about yeah. it was pretty fucking pretty good. good yeah like the first season and second season great the last couple not as good but still okay. whole thing worth watching it's it, it, it's it, it's very good it, it 
I enjoyed it thoroughly. And yeah, I, I think I ended up watching it like with all four seasons within like two months, you know, you like, can um, always, yeah, you yeah, can always watch, bingeable. You can always watch drunk history. Find Which is fantastic. Hell yeah. yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Best episode with Duncan Trussell. <laughs> but there's an there's a Hamilton episode for drunk history. Yes, which I saw that great. one. It's great. It's great. What's what's her name's in it from Arrested Development? Mm-hmm. The 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 uh, the the, uh, the 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 cousin or whatever that Michael Sarah is constantly trying to get with. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe El Elias Shaquad, whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's an Aubrey in Plaza. In Aubrey Plaza's in yeah. it too. They they Fucking play great. they play Hamilton and Burr those two. Yeah, it's freaking hilarious. Oh, um, speaking of as every uh, drunk history episode is, there's uh, this speaking of a war movie that has to do with kind of like the non typical ones that you see. There's a Netflix movie called Siege of Jadotville, and hmm. it has to do with. This, I believe it was an Irish regiment that is in like Africa or Papua New Guinea, Africa. And they're just holding a fort. It's based on a true story. And they end up getting attacked by this massive, overwhelming number that is also, it's not just uh, a local militia, but it's also outfitted with. Uh, foreign and European mercenaries and very cool movie. It's, you know, pretty action packed. Um, But the interesting part of it is that the spoiler alert, the Irish regiment ends up losing the fort, but they don't lose a single person. None of them die. Hmm. And they end up holding the fort for like a week, but none of them die. They end up killing a bunch of dudes, but then at the end, they end up losing the fort. It's pretty interesting. All right. Well, uh, what do you say, boys? You want you, you want to wrap it up for the night? Yeah, guys, I think we've uh, pretty much nailed it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna think of something as soon as we cut out of here, like a movie. Like, ah, oh, damn, I should have brought that one up. Right. So, but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think we gave the listeners some 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 good war movies to check out mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. some good series as well. So. Um. Yeah, the, the, this was a fun night. This is good stuff. Like I said, I know AJ obviously not not a huge fan of war movies per se, but uh, you know, war based movies obviously a fan of. So, uh, I enjoyed tonight. I think we did great, gentlemen. I I think we should wrap it up. You guys got any last thoughts before we say good night? Uh, maybe just a shout out to our socials and email address. I don't know if we said oh, that. Oh, you beginning. know what that. Uh, you're right. I, if my there's anyone bad. still listening, <laughs> right? Yeah. So if you're still listening, thank you for listening. And uh, if you get any feedback, you get any war movies you want to recommend to us, or any feedback on the ones we talked about, you can hit us up on social media. We can be found at Movie Council Pod on all social media, or send us an email to Movie Council Pod at Gmail. And uh, give us a rating and a review. And if you listen to do it, here's a big favor. Do, do, do us this one favor. Uh, tell a friend. 
you know, you got someone that's never listened to us, uh, ha- have them give us a listen. You know, recommend your favorite episode to them. Uh, turn them on to the podcast. We we would thoroughly appreciate that. So, um, I think that'll do it for the night, gentlemen. Thank you so much. This, it was a pleasure. So, for for myself and for Marky and for AJ, we say. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Good night. Night. Night, night. Night. Here's an idea. Don't side with the fucking Nazis. The movie council is adjourned. <laughs>